This is the OCRWC podcast and welcome to the first episode of Series 4. I'm thrilled to kick off this series with Kevin Gregory, aka Bubbles the Clown. A known face on the OCR scene, Kevin as Bubbles lifts everyone's spirits with his antics and silly voice, but I wanted to get to know more about the talented hybrid athlete coming off an incredibly successful DECA World Champs. So welcome to the podcast, Kevin Gregory, otherwise known as Bubbles, here today without the mask. Nice to see you. Oh, he's got it. <laughs> Just in case, I never know what people want. So whatever you want from me, I'll comply with. Uh, I mean, thanks for having me, friend. I do love the alter ego. It's, uh, it's brought a lot of joy. So both of you are absolutely welcome here. Um, we did actually see you at World's Toughest Mudder when I was there with the OCR report, and we had you slash bubbles join us with the voice uh, I, can't, I don't even know what time that was in the morning or the of day was it light who knows i don't remember but it was good fun all blur <laughs> you are known for kind of bringing a lot of fun to the event so i remember i met you for the first time and i was just like this guy's loopy but great and and you kind of really lifted it was at ocrwc and you kind of lifted the event for me even more and then the more i got to know you i was like okay this guy isn't just silly he's actually also a really really good athlete like you you do both so Let's let's leave the silly to the side for the second. Let's talk about you as an athlete. Sounds good. Where you want so, to start? So you're in gym. What's the deal? Yeah. So uh, I'm in a gym called Underdog Fitness. I started it in 2021. It was the second gym I opened since COVID. Uh, I don't know how it was over there, but over here in the Northeast, everything was locked down for quite a while. Um, and I worked in a big box gym prior to that. So once the gym's locked down at first, everyone was like, yay. We got all this free time. And then people started realizing, like, I need to get back to being in shape and eating right. And I can't watch any more Netflix series. And the only thing that's open is the liquor store. <laughs> so they were reaching out that my previous clients and whatnot from the other gym. And like, what can I do? And we're sending them like free stuff. The gym that I worked for was doing live, like Instagram live workouts and Facebook live workouts. So I was hosting some of those, which is pretty cool to be like the face of that because mm. there's probably like 20, 20 something gyms that their location is for. And I was one of the few selected trainers to lead that. So that was like an honor at the time. And, um, I didn't realize till last week, one of my current athletes now who just competed at DECA world championships first found me watching those workouts. And that's when she started working out oh. like for the first time in her life. I was like, wow, it wasn't a total waste. Oh, <laughs> Katie. But, um, so after, um, things were shut down for a while. People were reaching out. So I was doing like illegal underground, uh, backyard trainings and bringing people over to my secret garage where we'd stand far apart or just open the door and whatnot. So, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, I guess, separate thoughts on what we should have done during that time. Looking back, it's like, okay, I'm not saying my way was right or wrong. I'm saying that was the right for me. Mm -hmm. And people that had similar philosophies fell into that and um one of my, the other trainers at the big gym and i we opened a space and uh started we got some equipment and then we had a home gym location it was a nice. commercial space but we started training and then after a year we realized our business goals were very different so uh he bought me out and then i moved on and opened up underdog fitness and 
built it the way I wanted. And I wasn't tiptoeing around making sure like what I did didn't annoy him. And mm-hmm. that. so we'll, we'll leave that. Parting. <laughs> uh, it's, it's hard working with, even with when you're the best of friends. I mean, I've had situations where I work with people I'm very close with and it's just, diff- it's difficult. It's like any relationship having two people uh, together who have got different ideas. It's, it's always really hard. And I think it can be great. It can be really good if everyone knows what their position is like you can help people out so much and help expand ideas with others but it can also be really difficult and personalities happen and so yeah i mean doing it on your own is fantastic and i'm sure you've got a great uh support network around you that kind of gives you what you need in order to make a success for sure i think as i'm describing that to you i'm thinking like hmm as a trainer i have the hardest time training my wife everybody else listens to me she questions everything and i'm like why don't you just do what i tell you i'm not trying to be the boss and boss you around with my husband hat on like you're my woman you do this i value your opinion and everything but in this specific realm i don't want to spend three times as much effort just giving you the whys behind every single movement you're doing you're delaying your workout and I'm trying to work out with you because we're spending time together, but now I can't work out because you're asking questions and you're doing what you're supposed to do. And uh, I'm not asking for anybody to pity me, but I think everybody has had this interaction or mind like conundrum with trying to get someone they love to do something for themselves that they know is good for them. Mm-hmm. Their mom, sister, their brother, their dad, like, oh, you know, you, you say you're overweight, you don't feel good. Maybe you should come to the gym with me. And they're like twisting their arm, like, come on, I'll help you out. You don't have to do it alone. And we try to come <laughs> solution to their problem and we can't do it. So uh, I think everyone can relate on some level with that, with, uh, with Jess and I, but um, we do, we have uh, our relationships very tight, which makes it even more frustrating. Like it's not like we don't get along, like the house is taken care of, the food's cooked, the dishes are done. We have the same values, like in so many areas. But for some reason, when I give you workouts to do, you don't follow them. And ah, it just blows my mind. But she's doing very well. Uh, I think she needs a fitness goal. And for the last few years, she hasn't really had a goal. So she just works out for the sake of working out, which is great. <laughs> I need a goal. <laughs> I, I can't work out for the sake of working out. I need to have something to work. I'll, I'll tell you what, I was looking at my um, running app. I don't use Strava. I don't know why. I use a different one. And I had a goal last year, which was a running-based goal. And I trained for it and I stuck to the training. I did the event and I didn't run once after that, up until two days ago. I was like, right, I'm done now. Got nothing to train for. Not doing it. Not doing it. So yeah, I I am one of those that needs a running um, that needs a, a something in the something in the calendar. Otherwise, I just don't feel the pressure. But I also agree with you on the training people. I've had three major partners, all of them personal trainers. Can't do it. Can't do it. I think having like an accountability buddy is great. I used to have, unfortunately, unfortunately she had three children. But you know what I mean. I had my wifey and we trained together and we do you know all of our gym sessions we do together but then she had three kids and it's just not it's not going to happen anymore but yeah being trained by my partner oh that didn't work so yeah there are some things that you just just don't work out well together so you know yep got to figure out how to now i'm like and i've gone to tons of counseling i'm like how do i deal with this and they're like <laughs> you got to understand you have all these hats to wear. You can't wear the husband hat and the trainer hat at the same time, because if you treat her like the trainer, she's going to take that as you are treating her 
like the husband that's overbearing and this and that. I'm like, I know. And how do I balance that? So I'm just like, you tell me what you need. I'll support you. If you want to hire another coach, I'm all for it. You pick, we'll pay for it. I get it. It's financially sounds dumb, but performance wise, it's going to solve a lot of issues and relationship. It might be exactly what you need, but (laughs) it's, I think the most frustrating thing for me is like, Jess isn't like a stand around and like rah, rah kind of person. She's like very much. So she wants to compete when she does um, prior to not really having a goal for a number of years, she did Spartans and Spartan ultras and she trained for an ultra and she was running road run or like other ultra marathons and stuff. And she trained her ass off and she did really, really well. And I'm like, I know you can do well. Like you were competing well when I Mm. met you. And then now she hasn't really had that, but now she's after being like the team mom and super supportive, like our team is succeeding at Deca worlds and seeing so many of our athletes throw down. She's like, "Uh, I think I want to qualify for work. I like where your head's at. I know a guy might be able to help you out. Whatever you need to support, that's that's what I'm here for. Well, all right. We've mentioned Decca twice. Shall we get into Decca? Shall sure. we talk about it? So you're going to be a little bit of my uh, hybrid guru here because I I love the idea of hybrid, um, but I've never done one, and it's not something that I've watched a lot. The only thing I really know about it is seeing OCR athletes taking part. And I think there are a few things. It's, it's, I mean, it's kind of like when people don't know OCR, it sounds complex, but I'm sure it's not that complex. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Does it like tough matter? Um, that was a good American uh, wise comment. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, we had that in the UK as well. Everyone is like, oh, tough matter really did a number on marketing, didn't they? No one else has managed to do it quite well. And uh, yeah, now we can be like, yeah, it's the same company. <laughs> everything um <laughs> including Decca. so tell me about Decca. um let's let's start right okay i'm sure a lot of people know but let's let's make this a crash course what is Decca? and i well Decca is comes under hybrid racing correct correct there's yes the what um, is the hybrid umbrella, racing? the umbrella would be hybrid racing there's mm-hmm. a lot of differing opinions on what hybrid racing is but ultimately most people would agree that it's multidisciplinary it's not mostly running with a little bit of stuff like OCRs, mostly running with some obstacles. As many obstacles as OCR throws at us, except for the 100 meter, you're running like more than three quarters of the race and mm-hmm. you get to do stuff in between. Mm-hmm. Hybrid might have running, but it, the percentage is very different and the different disciplines um, within each brand. So umbrella hybrid, then high rocks, that's a brand. And mm-hmm. Deca is a brand. So just like Tough Mudder and Spartan are different brands and OCRWC is a brand. They have their mm-hmm. own product, right? So High Rocks is probably 50-50 running in stations. Mm-hmm. It's five miles or 8K for you guys over on the other side of the pond. And then uh, eight stations. But the time domain is just about 50-50. The fast runners are going to be doing stations longer and the slow runners are going to be running longer. But ultimately, it's right around 50% of each. DECA has three different disciplines or distances. So there's the DECA Strong, which we'll get into what the stations are in a minute. But DECA Strong has no running. So you just go station to station to station to station. And that one, uh, there's cardio. There's machines like the rower and the skier and then the salt bike. But there's no running. DECA Mile is a mile divvied up over 10 10 runs. So it's 10 tenths 
10 runs that are 160 meters each prior to each of the exercise stations, like totaling one total mile or 1600 meters. And then the deck of fit is the 5k version, which has the 500 meter run preceding every exercise station accumulating to 5k. So the work to run split there is different. Deck is strong, all work, no running. Deck a mile is about two-thirds stations, one-third running. And deck of fits about two-thirds running, one-third stations on the time domain piece. Okay. So far? Yeah. So depending how much you like running, you can do more or less of it. Correct. Okay. Yes. So I I like running, but I perform much better without it. So I do much <laughs> strong. I like the fit. I'll do it, but I perform. I I do way better in the strong. I'm decent at the mile and the fit. I'm just like, I'm here for a good time, um, except for in the team's race, which we didn't talk about, but you get a teammate and then you and your teammate divvy it up any way you want. So, oh, I, so if uh, someone was a really fast runner, they could do all the running and the other person could do the. There's some nuances like the both athletes have to do a little bit of running in each of the disciplines mm. with running. Mm. But overall, yes. So for DECA World Championships, I qualified for the DECA Fit teams with a really good runner. If you follow High Rocks, Lauren Griffith has won the last few. That wasn't. I know that name for sure. That was my partner, and we won the DECA Fit relay. And then Carla Rotondi, she's an up and comer uh, from the Boston area. She was my partner for the DECA Mile, and we won. And then for Strong, I grabbed this girl from Canada, Amber Tate. She's really good at stations. She's a decent runner, but we just did. We partnered up for the one without the uh, running and we won that. So I'm pretty good at this co-ed team picking mm. partner. Uh, but so DECA and High Rocks, the big, the multi multidisciplinary piece, there's exercise stations where you're knocking out a number of reps or a distance on a, an erg. <clears throat> so they're a little different. I won't go into the deep dive of high rocks but their functional movements designed for well their tagline is the race for every body the sled is pretty damn heavy and pro so i don't think every body can do the pro division and some bodies how heavy is the sled uh the men's pro is like 450 pounds which in the gym not not impossible for most people Mm -hmm. but on the rug that they use somehow the friction and the runners it makes it like 10 times harder so um i don't know all the weights of every category i know the men open use the women's pro weights that's 204 kilos i was going to do the do the math um oh so that's high rocks you got sled push pull i said i wasn't going to go over it but i'll just hit it really quick so there's a skier sled push pull burpee broad jumps Farmer carry, lunges, and wall balls. Those are the eight. There's eight stations in High Rocks, and there's 10 in DECA. Look like you have a question. I do have a question, and it may be a question that you've heard a lot, so I apologize. What's the difference between this and CrossFit? CrossFit? And I, so I tell the novice or the, the like not experienced person who doesn't really know our realm, they're like, well, what do you, what do you actually do? You don't do those mud runs anymore. What do you do? I'm like, I do competitive exercise. That's pretty much it. <laughs> but CrossFit, I would say CrossFit's a lot more specialized. You need to have gymnastic skills. I'm not saying that you're born with them, but if you go to CrossFit, you're going to learn them. Mm. You need Olympic barbell movements and g- gymnastic skills. Those are like the two biggest things. There's also powerlifting and 
the CrossFit diehards are probably going to kill me because they're like, you don't know, it's like the six pillars of, or whatever it is. I don't actually know. I don't have an L1, but um, those are the big things like gymnastics, movements, powerlifting, Olympic lifting, and just other general functional movements. Okay. So I would say more specialized, like I'm big handstand walks, going to workout. I'm like, I got last because I can't handstand walk. Mm. I can do double unders on the jump rope. I can do muscle ups on a bar, but the handstand walks, that's where I got to draw the line. I can't, I can't handstand walk more than a step falling on my face and try again. Like that's going to knock me out of the workout. But with the, these races, the, the, the movements are more functional. So everybody can lunge. Everybody can do a burpee. Everyone yeah. can. Roll and ski and so all that's that why it makes sense for everybody because yeah, they're not, they're not specialized movements. I mean, they're still difficult. You say wall balls. I'm like, oh, that's what puts me off wall balls. Like, <laughs> God, I hate them. Burpees. Oh, those are the exercises that take really, really long time to do. I don't know why, because it's all the same amount of time. Um, but yeah, then the tagline makes sense. And it's it's in a way kind of like the way we used to speak about OCR in the sense that it is accessible. It's terrifying, but it's accessible. For sure. All right. So with that, I'll be saying I started with Hyrox because Hyrox came out prior to DECA. And I think I'm not 100% sure there's some rumblings that Spartan was trying to like partner with Hyrox and Hyrox said no. And then Spartan's no, like, well, I want to do this kind of functional fitness racing. We'll just make our own. Mm. So that's how DECA came. Um, I don't know if there's a patent pending or lawsuit or anything like that. But here in America, you get you get all kinds of things like that. Anyway, so DECA is like, why are we doing eight stations? We should do 10 stations. And we'll just call it DECA because 10 is the, or DECA is the root of 10 or whatever. So goal. Decahedron. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, so low barrier to entry. The business asked, the business goal of DECA was to get average people, everyday Mrs. Joneses to a starting line. Gamify fitness by putting a time clock on this workout so that way they can go through the whole thing and they get a mark. They're in their mark. That's a time. Now, like a 5K or whatever, like you did, you do the annual 5K in town. And last year it took you 45 minutes. This time mm -hmm. it took you 44 minutes. You made improvement. But this is designed to be tested as often as you want. But the mark is your final score. And then the movements are pretty simple. It's a reverse lunge. It's weighted, but it's a reverse lunge. Then there's a row. This is 500 meters. Anyone can sit on that thing and pull bad knees, bad hips, whatever you can, you can pull, you'll get to 500 meters and it won't even take that long. Then there's box overs, which originally were called box jump overs, but they were allowed to do step overs. And now they're just called box overs. Cause most people figured out if you jump, you're going to use a lot of energy that you want to save for later. So let's step over and save some energy. I saw then, someone doing a video of that today, actually. And it was kind of, it looked insane almost. Like she was stepping and keeping her body really low. Just like, and I looked at the first look. I was like, is she, what is she doing? Is she doing an exercise? And I was like, oh no, this is really efficient. Like it looked crazy. But yeah, so I, I, I saw that. It may have been you, Spartan Spartan reshare or something. Oh, um, Canada? Yeah. Got it. Yeah, so that's Amber. That's my my Decker Strong Relay World Champion partner. Well, she was very good at the box stepovers. That's her, that's her jam. Yeah. So that's the step overs. Yeah, CrossFit, like one of her videos she posted went viral because someone from cross some CrossFit community person like found it and like, those are no reps, no reps, no reps. And then she's like, this CrossFit is can't talk about that. So whatnot. But so she's had a couple of videos go viral of just box step overs. 
All right. So once you get all that, then you do med ball sit-ups. So most people are doing, can do a sit-up. The med ball is not super heavy. You do the reps you complete, get off, hit the skier. Same thing as the row. You pull 500 meters. After that, you farmer carry hundred meters. So the weight's challenging, but it's not impossible. Mm. And we get on the salt bike. That's my claim to fame. I'm, I don't, I, I'm not saying I'm the best at it ever. I mean, you're pretty done good, aren't you? Put out a few things. <laughs> uh, ESPN liked my assault bike video from World Championship, so they put it on their TikTok. So but let's talk about that assault bike. Let's not brush over it. Let's talk about, let's interrupt the course uh, recap to talk about your assault bike. Details. You got to do 25 calories on the assault bike. All the okay. other stations that are ergs are meter based. But the assault bike's 25 calories. So you get on there, station seven, you're already pretty fatigued. You did all the stuff I just mentioned. And then you pedal 25 calories. And as soon as you're done, then you just move off and you go to the last three stations and you're done. The assault bike tends to be most people's slowest station because they're exhausted. It's a high energy output station. It's full body because you're pedaling, but you're pushing and pulling and it just blows up your heart rate and your lungs and everything else. Um, I happened to figure out some, some things and made it my strength versus most people's weakness. And now that is my fastest trip, fastest station. So if the slowest station is usually like maybe the tank where it would take like, that's the sled push we didn't get to yet, but say that takes people three minutes, the bike could take people four minutes. And now the fastest station for most people is like the lunges or the box overs or, or the sit-ups, the bike's my fastest station now. So I'm on and off that thing before I can get tired. And that's really my objective is to not be stuck there for a long time. Because if I did the bike for four minutes, I'd be pretty tired too. I mean, I'm not going to ask you what you worked out because that's your secret. And if you want to tell anyone, you'll be, you know, coaching them and asking them for money on that. So that is fine. But for anyone, and I'm not sure how if anyone who's in OCR hasn't seen the video, and it, I, I'm probably going to embarrass you by getting you to explain just how quickly you did it when you did it. How, like, there were some really great videos from that weekend. Like, you you had some really great shots. Just tell me. Okay, to put it to put it in uh, in another way, we were taught, had a roundtable podcast with Obstacle uh, Race Adventures, and we were kind of spoke about our highlights from the year of things in racing, and I had, you know, a couple of different things, and then Dave Claxton, his highlight was you on yeah. that bike and kind of the, the crowd exploding. And, you know, it was it really impacted him like just how awesome and special that moment was. So let's tell me about it. Tell me how, how, how great it was. Let's celebrate it. Been practicing this thing for a long time. And I've learned the other best people in the deck of strong are really good at the bike. So as I see them put a better deck of strong time on the leaderboard, I'm like, Hey, what did you get better at? And they're like, Oh, the bike, the bike, the bike. So seeing, knowing them and as an athlete and asking them questions, I'm not, super close to the vest. Like I'm pretty open with sharing like my strategies and everything. So if someone steals it, great. I hope they use it and get better, but they're going to have to use it and get really better if they're going to beat me, which <laughs> I'm not saying I'm untouchable at all. I just had a good day in, in Dallas, but the bike. So I raised to frame it up Dallas. I qualified for seven or I qualified for nine races at DECA world championships. I raced in seven of them. The deck is strong individual elite male um race was the third day and the first of that day so that was my one that was my fifth race of the weekend 
in race one with Lauren Griffiths, I finished the bike in 15 seconds. That was on the relay. Day two. What? <laughs> day two, I had three races. And in my mile individual, my mile relay with my female partner who we won, and my mile partner or my mile relay with my male partner who we didn't win, I did between 15 and 20 seconds in all three of those bikes. So by the time I got to Sunday, I'm like, this is it. This is where, like, the one race I had the chance to make the most money, the biggest impact, beat the most, like, top guys was the Decastrong Elite Male Race. And I'm like, I need to beat them on the bike because that's when I'm going to be able to take the lead. I game plan and strategy my butt off, figuring out where to not push so that way I could save it for the bike. And in the video, um, I'm coming... So station six, the farmer carries is before the bike and you see there's 12 people racing side by side and the camera is focused on the top few because that's probably who's going to win. And Rylan uh, Shattig, he's won the DecaFit male elite championship on Friday. He won the Deca mile elite championship on Saturday. And now this is Sunday. Ryan Kent won both of those races last year and here he is. So he's ready <clears throat> there. Um, those are the top two seeds, then me, and then two other guys that are really good at the bike. And like, they're, everyone's really good. It's not like, Oh, just worry about this guy or whatever. So on the farmer carry the video, Ryland finishes his farmer carry, and then he goes to the bike and then Kent finishes his farmer carry and goes to the bike. And you can kind of see a I'm coming back to where they drop their farmer carries to go. And I still have one more down and back for the farmer carries. And then a few other people finish their farmer carries and they go to the bike. So there's like five people on the bike and I'm putting my weights down. And then you got to run 10 meters because the way the course was spaced mm -hmm. out, I run up to the bike and the bike seat is on zero. So I'm like taking a knee and adjusting the seat and they've been pedaling since before. Like I still had a length and a half to do in the farmers. And then I had to come up there and adjust my seat and Everybody I know like has recounted viewing this live and oh my God, what the hell are you doing? Get on the bike. You got to get on the bike. Why is it taking so long to get on the bike? These guys are going <laughs> to get so far ahead. You're not going to catch them. So eventually I'm happy with my seat. I set it properly. I dust it off. I get on the bike. I look around. I push the start button because you have to push that. So it registers. And then I start going again. Everybody else is already on the bike. So I'm pedaling. I do my thing. 15 seconds. I jump off the bike. At, and this is what Dave like recounts. I hit 25 calories and I launch myself off the bike. And as I'm coming up, the, the crowd just gets so loud. Just this huge eruption. And in that moment, I was in first place. I still have three stations left. But I'm like, today's my day. I'm in first place. No one's going to beat me on anything else. I'm now, I just went from like six, seven place to first, and I'm going to be faster on the dead ball overs. You throw a 60 pound dead ball over your shoulder for men 20 times. Then you go to the sled push pull and you finish with some weighted burpees. I'm like, everybody's probably better than me in burpees, but no one's better than me at the dead balls in the tank. So as long as I have a lead, I can build enough of a buffer so I don't get caught on the burpees. And the, the announcer, the fans, everybody's just going crazy. And then I finish the dead balls and I'm still in first. And then I finish the tank and I'm still in first. And I finish the burpees and run across the finish line. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I did it. I beat everybody. <laughs> so 
that like I watch it now and I just it still makes me all teary eyed and, and cry. And like I raced seven times at Deca World Championships and I won five, which That's is crazy. I can't believe it still. But this is the only race that I don't want to say the other ones didn't matter. I just knew I could do what I needed to do in those races and I'd be competitive and podium potential. But this race, I had all my eggs in one basket because I went to world championships last year and I didn't perform well. And like, I don't get crazy jumping around or like smacking my chest or anything crazy before races usually. And I'm, I'm, I do my thing. I go to the starting line. I'm high five. I'm very social as you, you've experienced. Um, yeah. I think that's why we've met each other and we're like, hit it off right mm -hmm. away. Like, oh, Fran, bubbles. What the hell? <laughs> I don't know. Just to high five across the room anytime we see each other. So that's how I am at the starting line. But for this race, I was like, I need to be focused. This is it. Whole year has been dedicated to training for this. And then I lost my dad midway, mid-summer of 2022. And he always came to all my games. And he was my biggest fan. He would drive like across freaking eight-hour trips to like come watch me play college lacrosse on the far side of New York in the snow on like a Tuesday. He'd like get out of work. And I was like, although he's not here, he's with, like, I'm standing at the starting line and I just like overcome with emotion and I'm crying. And Matt B. Davis is like, Hey bubbles, are you okay? Why are you crying? We're about to start. And I'm like trying to clear my eyes. I'm like, uh, my dad's with me. Everybody that's wanted me to succeed. Today's the day to like make them proud. And then to the culmination of all that. And then to finish like that, that was the most fulfilling thing, like of the whole weekend. And there was so much to be excited about the whole weekend. Like I said, I won four of the races and I was ecstatic about those. We had so many athletes from our gym do so well. We had 25 podiums out of our gym, which I don't even know how many other gyms like even had 25 people like competing in races, let alone podium 25 times. We had people qualify in roll downs. That was like, they got 45th place for the year, but they got a roll down. So they got invited to worlds and then they get like top five, and they're like, oh, I didn't podium. I'm like, you really overkicked your coverage. You did amazing. <laughs> so the whole weekend was cheering for everyone else's races, <clears throat> repping our brand. We have these big, obnoxious, bright green jerseys with this huge dog head. And uh, so you can see us from a mile away. And um, just that's <clears throat> that's that's the the excitement from Deca Worlds. And that's what Dave was describing when he says it. And if I ever have like a downtime, I just pop that on and just watch like a 30 second reel. And I'm just like me jump off the bike. Everyone erupts. It cuts to like me finishing my burpees and run across the finish line. And then everyone comes and tackles me and huge. Like I just want to give a huge shout out to Rylan uh, who mm. second in the race. Um, Cause we were, we were doing some fun little uh, not like shit talking but like just jarring with each other at the podium <laughs> on saturday night because we both placed in the uh the relays on saturday and i was like rylan i think i'm gonna go out and get a t-shirt made tonight that says triple crown defender because that was like what they called it if you won all your all your races like each category and he had one too and he needed to win the last one and uh he's like you know what it would be a shame if you didn't get a good night's sleep tonight and i'm like you yeah yeah but don't worry i'll be ready tomorrow and <laughs> i didn't get a good night's sleep and uh i was like well you know what? It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. All that matters is what happens in that 11 minute window. And he, I I'm on the ground, like so excited. Jess comes running around, climbs over the barrier, jumps on me. And I knew Rylan, like we had a really good, like 
mutual respect for one another before the race, um, despite what I just said, but like in a very kindly, mm. like I'm for you kind of way. And so when I finished, I knew like I tried to reach him, but then I was like getting tackled from the other side. And I didn't know it till after when I saw the video, but he hits the ground and he's like reaching as hard as he can to try to like grab my hand, which is like now moving around. And then Jess like grabs our wrists and puts our hands oh. together. It's like, thank you so much. So like, so he was, even though I beat him, he's genuinely happy for me. And I was super happy for him. Like he's been a stand-up guy as long as I've known him and I've learned a lot from him and he's much younger. So he'll be competitive for a long time. <laughs> um, not to say Kent, any, anything negative against him. We've interacted a lot over the last couple of years and, I think if you surround yourself with other people that are really good, mm. even if you're the worst, you're going to up your game because you see yourself on that level yeah. and not move you forward. And um, so huge year of development. Great to have the culmination come out of my favor. Nice. It's it's good to have good competition. I think, you know, competition makes people perform better 100%. So if they're people that you know and respect, and if you know them as well from, you know, we know those names. I know those names from from OCR. Rylan, I don't know Ryan Kent. I, well, not very well. Um, but Rylan, I've you know spoken to a few times, and he's great. He's not like you telling that story. I you don't need to tell me that you're not talking to each other because I just know from who he is that that's not going to be. It's going to be friendly and competitive, but but also you know full of full of good stuff. But yeah, that picture from the two of you that was also. That was such a good snapshot of the weekend and such a good snapshot of of competition. And I think that's something I don't know a lot about other sports, obviously, because this is the one I'm involved in. But something I love in OCR, and it sounds like that kind of exists in hybrid racing as well, is the relationships between people who compete at a high level, who are competing against each other. It's always very respectful and um friendly and you know people are happy for each other there's a really nice picture from Lindsay and chris from ocwc 22 and Lindsay was just over the moon for chris rogoski when she crossed the finish line and it's like yeah she's she's chasing you down but you're so happy for her. and same thing with that picture and even you know i mentioned we were talking about our highlights from the year and we all had a different highlight and something that kind of really sparked us and there were several moments like that in the year for me and it was really lovely to kind of you know, it had been a round table. We'd had a bit of moaning. And then to hear these stories of different things of how this sport was making people better and happier and bringing all this joy. And that's what I hear when you're telling me this as well. And I, and I, and I really like it. And, you know, telling me about your dad, uh, him being there with you, like, what a moment. What a moment that must have been. Um, and something that if it weren't for you doing that, you you wouldn't have had that moment. That must have been incredible yeah it's i think um you know the more i think about my dad since he's been gone he um he passed on a tuesday night and that weekend was the chicago decafit and um i'm the oldest and my parents are divorced so that means i get to take responsibility of burying him um obviously i wanted input from everybody but so Wednesday we drove to where he's from Long Island. I live in Connecticut. So it's like two hours. So mm -hmm. I was like, all right, Jess, tomorrow we got to go down there. We got to go meet with uh, this and that. And my, one of my college roommates was a funeral director. So I called him and he's like, here's, I'll email you a checklist. This is all you need to do. It's not as bad as you think. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are going to take care of 90% of this. You just have to contact them. So 
we did, we met with the funeral director and they're like, Oh, do you want to do the service on Saturday or Sunday? And I was like, Sunday. And everyone's like, why Sunday? Don't you want to get it over with? I'm like, no, Sunday. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then <laughs> I knew, a Je- I knew just knew why I said Sunday. <laughs> Saturday. And one of my in-laws was like, Oh, we should do both. And I'm like, Nope, Sunday is going to be it. That's it. And, um, so after like we finished up there, like my other brother asked me, um, he's like, why do you want to do it on Sunday? I'm like, cause I'm going to Chicago. And he's like, but the funeral's on Sunday. I'm like, it's okay. I'm going to go race. Cause that's what dad would have wanted me to do. And he, yeah. So I got there and, um, I did pretty well. I, I raced an individual and, um, and a relay, but I raced, I got second place at the relay, the deck of fit relay with Glenn race. Who's awesome. Dude. That was a very interesting story about him and his dad. And I didn't know this at the time, but after we raced, we were just like talking and we took a cab back to the airport together. Or we rode together. I don't remember what it was. But when I walked in there and saw both Rich Ryan and Ryan Kent, like I've I've been in dialogue with them over the years, more Rich than Ryan Kent, but we've talked to. But as soon as I saw them, they like came up to me and gave me a huge hug. And a lot of other people in the community, like Dustin Webb, um, they were just like, your dad just died. Why are you here? Like you, you should probably be with their family. I mean, no, this is where I should be. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here to race. My dad would want me to compete. And I think of like Brett Favre when his dad died, he had like the best game of his whole career and all that. And, um, so all that, just like that support of the community is like what I needed, not just hang out with a bunch of family members that are sad. And then just going to like bury their sorrows and, and alcohol, which my dad was a recovering alcoholic for 27 years. So I'm like, Hmm, honor my dad by getting drunk. <laughs> Go race and do make him proud. Even though he's not there. Do the and, thing that he always supported you in or <laughs> the thing he was trying not to do. It was like, it was an easy decision for me. Um, figuring out logistics was a little more challenging, but when you have like the will to do something, magic just happens and the universe conspires and God's like, Oh, you want it? Great. Here it is. So I, I looked at flights. I'm like, oh, I can fly out of Connecticut on Saturday morning, get to Chicago in time to go race. And then when I'm done racing both races, there's a flight at five o'clock I can catch from Chicago to New York to Long Island where my where Jess would drop me off at one airport and then she would get all her stuff and then go to my mom's house and then pick me up from the airport in New York. And then we'd be good for Sunday. And um, you know, I remember my cousin's like, were you just in Chicago yesterday? I'm like, yeah, why? Like, is that a, like, what the hell? I'm like, listen, I had to do what I need to do for my own mental sanity. You guys do what you do. And uh, so just um, that he's always been such a huge influence from for me in my life. And I know not everybody has that luxury, but everybody has somebody or something that they've always been able to count on. So whatever that is, like to drag you through the tough spots, like when you appreciate it so much, it's going to keep paying you dividends even when it's gone. So that's uh make me cry story. It's a lovely story though. And it's, it is so nice. I mean, you, you know, I know you say not everyone has that. Not everyone does have that, especially from a dad to have them be so supportive. And I mean, everyone's parents do the best they can, or, you know, I'm, I'm not going to criticize anyone's parenting, but it is something really special to have and to also to have it, I mean, if I say at your age, it's not because you're old, but, you know, to have it, to have had it up until being an adult and to still have that support and to be able to carry it through. A lot of people lose that with their parents. Um, 
sounds wonderful. So um, yeah, it's a really lovely story. Thank you for sharing it. Welcome. Thanks for listening. Hopefully someone else will take something from what I said and apply it to their own life or make themselves a little bit better or pick themselves up if they're not having the best time and move in a positive direction. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's the, the other thing you said, which kind of I'm, I'm sitting with, which is not everyone has that, but people have got something that can always rely on. That's, that's a big question, actually. That's a really big question. Um, it's a good one to ask yourself and I'm certainly going to ask it. I'm going to ask it to myself off air because it might make me cry. Um, <laughs> but it's, I, I do, I, again, kind of go back to the point I made earlier. I love when these kind of, these bigger things tie in with sport and what we're doing because it's it's all part and parcel. It's all kind of feeding the soul and, and lighting the spark. It's not just there are people who think and feel and there are people who run like everyone's a rounded human and I'm I'm so grateful for for what this sport has done and the people that I've met and the kind of the things I've experienced and the stories that I've learned and it constantly makes me kind of it, you know it feeds me without sounding too cheesy and I I love it I'm very greedy I like to keep talking to more people and finding out more about who they are and everything and it always inspires me I mean talking to this I'm like ooh actually now this sounds like more fun than I thought it was and now I want to do that and that is all good and that's what I've always been about as well is is just trying to get trying to get this out there to more people and to more people enjoy it yeah I mean I think the times in our in at least in my life when I felt the worst or like oh I can't come back from this or this is too hard it was always when I kind of isolated myself and I naturally do that I as much as I love being around people I will isolate myself of things mm -hmm. not every time but when I'm at my worst it's always tied back to, okay, I just didn't want help from anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just wanted to be in my own little like dark cave and just feel bad for myself. And the only way you ever get out is doing acting again and, mm. uh, and counseling. Um, it, it helps to have a like professional counselor that you counsel with when things are good. Mm. So when things are not good, you trust what they say and you know, it's not just like some whatever, uh, negative stigma around counselors. But for me, like I'm so up, up, up all the time when I get down, down, down the blues and all that, like mm -hmm. I'm not depressed in any way, but there's ups and downs of like your emotions. And if I'm down, then to get out of that, I have to move. I have to get blood flow. I have to like seek um, stimulus where some people just their anxieties through the roof and they're like, ah, and what they need to do is like sit down and calm and lock themselves in a room and go into that maybe isolation for them is what they need but for me that's like the worst thing for me because it's just mm. stuff's just festering inside of me and making it worse so um i think that's where everybody's different but figuring out what you need um will help you be self uh aware enough to move forward and then when things are just like okay that didn't go well i'm okay mm. two things didn't go well i'm still pretty good <laughs> three four five six seven eight nine ten things didn't go well Oh, shit. <laughs> um, but I think I credit a lot of my emotional EQ, like mm. mental stability, I guess, during my dad's uh, passing and being the older brother, I had to take care of everything. I'm not saying I did alone because I already told you, like I had my friend told me what to do. I knew who to reach out to. I had a lot of loving aunts and uncles and cousins that were like, we'll do whatever you need. But ultimately, that still 
allowed me to put a lot of pressure on myself, but mm. counseling, I held myself together and more people are concerned that I wasn't like broken down in the corner crying, but I think I held, I handled what I need to handle for myself to keep myself level-headed. Mm. I did what I could do task-wise, and then I could deal with it my own way later on. And mm. where I'm not judging anyone. Some people are emotional mess and it happens. Like my brothers reacted completely differently in their ways and they got what they need. And they're like, oh, where's your brother? I'm like, I don't know, but he's he doesn't need to be here. It's This is taken care of. He needs mm. to take care of himself. So, um, but those... You get into those dark places alone, like it's it's scary and lost. And I think at least me, I've been in athletics my whole life and I've lost so many former teammates and friends to bad decisions, whether it was like alcohol that led to a major mm. accident or trauma or the slippery slope that led to suicide. And you look at the athlete and like they were the best athlete I ever played with and they played division one and they won the world, cha- the national championship and this and this and this. And from the outside, they're like, that's the best person I've ever seen. And then they take their own life and you're like, what the hell did I miss? Why is this? And um, I actually talked to uh, the NCAA had the tennis championships in Florida when I was down there. And I ran into this woman and I was like, oh, you're wearing an NCAA badge. Like, what do you do? Are you like tennis coordinator or whatever? And she's like, no, I'm actually a mental health coordinator for the whole NCAA. And I'm constantly trying to figure out how to get the stigma of mental health, like to be in a positive thing. Like we, she's like, everyone thinks like, Oh, we need to talk about feelings and this and that. It's like, it's not that it's just that you guys try to take everything on. And I'm like, as a male athlete, I was like, rub some dirt on it, get back in stop like thinking too much, just take your brain out and hit somebody. (laughs) Uh, So like, that's just, I mean, that's how it's been masculinity for years, but now like society's changed so much. So there's like such a different balance of mental health, but I think the people that do the worst are cut off from support or they don't have the resources. They don't think there's resources or think mm. they're going to be judged and or think they need it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a shame, but it that's where I think, how do we make a big difference in the world is just like put your arm around somebody and just love them as they are. And then like, Hey, I'm here for you. I don't know what that means, but if you can come up with something like, let me know. And I think, there's so many people that have overcome something monstrous in our sport. And that's what keeps me coming around. Cause I'm like, Oh, nice to meet you. You seem like a mm-hmm. great person. Yeah. Like three years ago, my uh, ex-boyfriend tried to kill me. I have 27 stab wounds and now I'm out here doing Spartan races. I lost a hundred pounds. And I feel great. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, oh. But like, it makes you put your whole life in perspective. And like, if that person overcame all of that and they're out here having a good time, like why can't I get over the fact that, xyz like i got fired from my job or something like something seemingly silly but we build these huge challenges up in our head and they're way bigger than than maybe to an outsider but to you it's huge yeah so that's where the counseling or like a friend or an external like support system helps you like get perspective on things and keep things helps you realize like okay yes that is huge but what are you gonna do about it? you can't sit here and cry about it for the rest of your life how about we take a couple steps come for a walk. You got a friend in me. <laughs> like, sorry, <laughs> Whatever it is. I don't know. It's different <laughs> for everybody. There's no perfect answer, but everybody needs something. And it's just a matter of like, sometimes it's just putting your hand out there to a stranger and like, wow. Um, that's why I love doing fun laps at, at Spartan mm. races, up mutters or whatever you're doing. Cause those are, you meet some cool people that you wouldn't have met otherwise. And the elite series is not 
as cutthroat as it used maybe used to be but i feel like it wasn't even cutthroat then it just seemed like it from the onset because mm. like tv like oh the dun 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 these two are gonna battle it out today meanwhile they're like best friends they got a hotel room together they're eating yeah. dinner <laughs> they're best buds they, they both <laughs> want to win but um but in the open class it's like um you get to meet people and i for me like people already put me on a pedestal for the last two years and i go to deca fits and like oh my god i I'm like, hi, nice to meet you. Cause I'll like know someone around them and like, oh, hi. And like, they, they're a big fan. They just don't want to say anything. And I'm like, Aww. I'm just a normal person. I'm just like you. Like, I'll, do you want a picture? That would be so weird. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I'm just a regular person. And I think, you know, all the names that you've heard in the sport, you put on a pedestal just because you think like they are the Wayne Gretzky of, which is a super big hockey player. I don't know if the other side of the pond uh, i used him like lebron james wayne gretzky i picked the biggest name i know the name I, I couldn't tell you what sport he played but... all right ronaldo <laughs> okay him. we know him <laughs> so, so like people put us we're just regular competitive exercisers we just happen to be a little bit better than everybody else <laughs> at the specific sport but we're still just humans we I mean, I'm not a dad yet, but a lot of us are parents. You have a kid, you have multiple kids, you're trying to balance work, life, and then mm -hmm. train and then race. So we're all just regular people trying to just have a good time and, and succeed at a higher level. So the more connections we make, like it just like allows us to make a bigger difference for, for anybody, really. I think it does make a difference when people see that other people are just normal humans. Um almost as if like it could be seen two ways it could be like well if they're a normal human why are they performing at a higher level than me or it could be well they're a normal human perhaps I could do better perhaps I could push myself more perhaps there is something there and and some people I see the amount they do I'm just like yikes <laughs> I could never have done that but I think it is good to kind of find the humanity in people and I mean regarding the mental health stuff um I which you may not know I'm actually a trainee psychotherapist that's my other job so I'm 100% down with that like I have got a big thing you know I'm always very careful with people that I see not to talk about have you tried exercising because it's such a simple answer but it's almost like the idea of of connecting your mind and body not just oh a walk will solve all your problems but connecting your mind and body does wonders and exactly you know you made me think of of myself when you were saying things like back in 2020 so the COVID era, but when things were open up, I had a really crappy, crappy, crappy time of life. And the only thing that really kind of kept me going because was, I wasn't working, I had a small child and all these things, was um, weightlifting. Hmm. And I'm not good at it. I've, I say this all the time. I'm, I'm a terrible weightlifter, Olympic weightlifting, but I enjoyed it. And the coach was great. And we got each other very well. I respected him a lot and he knew how to handle me. And, you know, he's a big, like six foot four ex-military guy. And just one day he could tell things weren't good. And he's like, are you all right? I was like, no, I'm not. And he's like, fine, just keep coming here and tell me what you need. And then like, okay. he'd see me standing there and like about to cry and be like, lift and I'd be like, okay. Um, and it was just kind of like, it was the only way that I could get myself to eat was like, well, if I don't eat, I can't go and weight lift and I want to, cause that makes me feel good. So I'll, I'll eat and then I'll, it'll make me leave the house and I could take my daughter with me. She was only three at the time. So like, I, it wasn't, you know, it was something and that I credit a huge amount to be being able to drag me out of myself, especially at such an isolating time. Um, and you know, I, I owe a huge debt to that gym uh, and to that coach. And it's, it, yeah, it wasn't, I wasn't necessarily achieving anything, but just, there was just something, 
it, it certainly improved my life no end. And having, if I'd just sat in the house by myself or even just gone for a walk, it, it wouldn't have done the same thing. Um, and there's something, there's something really special uh, and um, healing about, about moving the body. Mm. I do my best thinking on runs. I'm going to run as much as I used to because I'm not training for ultras anymore. I'm training for decas. Yeah. But those easy runs where you're not like killing yourself, like your mind just is allowed to drift off. So whether it's walking or, or running or anything, I think that the exercise releases endorphins and then you're in a happy place. And then you come up with, I feel like your creative juices start flowing. The best ideas. When you let your brain breathe, that's what I call it. It just suddenly you have all these kind of things that, you're like, oh yeah, this is brilliant. <laughs> nice. I like nice. That. Your brain breathes. I'm gonna point, I'm gonna recycle that one. Do it. I love that. <laughs> oh my. Well, that went in some directions I didn't expect it to, but I love it. This is this is why I love doing these with people. I never have a plan. I'm just like, let's just talk, let's see what happens. And sometimes you know. Some great stuff happens. Um, and on that note, I will I will let you get on because I know you 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 know you're back at the gym and I'm sure you've got plenty of coaching and training to do. I really appreciate you sitting down to talk to me and getting to know you and you know the sport a little bit better. Thanks, Fran. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. And uh yeah, I hope uh the listeners understand I'm not just a big scary clown, I'm actually just a big teddy bear. I <laughs> love people and making people happy and I make some goofy videos because it grabs people's attention, but then I try to follow that up with like a good message. So mm. um, that way I'm again, just trying to help other people level up and raise their game or dig themselves out of the hole or whatever they need. And uh, yeah. So if, if you ever want to reach out, I'm just a regular guy, just d send me a DM, have a little conversation. Frank can facilitate it. If you need, if you're a little <laughs> Absolutely. Whatever you need. <laughs> I love it.